Sabasa, she's here with her lovely husband. We want to welcome them in the name of Jesus. She is an ordained pastor in AFM in South Africa, senior pastor while the AFM church called the Lady Assembly in Soweto. She is passionate about community regeneration, which includes resource deprivation, social exclusion and inequalities, and its impact on people, youth development, mentoring, and leadership development. She is the former African co-chair of Empower 21's youth department called the Next Generation of the Youth Leadership Network. She's also coordinator of Faith Girls Ministry, a ministry that's focused on equipping girls or women in their work with Christ, as well as pre pre the preservation of their dignity. She's also an executive in the Gauteng Council of Churches, which is the provincial structure here, SACC, and she's also the executive in the AFM National Youth Department, the youth chairperson of the AFM Central Gauteng Region. She holds a Bachelor of Theology degree from Northwest University, completing it with a Golden Keys Honor Society Award. She has a Bachelor of Architectural Studies degree from the University of Witwatersrand. But I'm so glad for me because, you know, she comes from the assembly led by, that was led by uh, Dr. Frank Chikane, whom you know we fondly love here in Ohio. And to see how they have moved the ministry to the next generation, a young, dynamic leader, most of all, a, a female, you know, and, and I want you to know our commitment to saying that God uses women. And we're going to see more and more of them here in our Word Explosion Conference. So, Basalana, without much ado, let's put our hands together as we welcome Mfundi Sitanda Nande Savasa. name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Isn't he worthy this evening? Isn't he worthy? Isn't he worthy? Isn't he worthy? Isn't he worthy of the praise and the honor and the adoration and the thanksgiving? Isn't he worthy this evening? Greetings. You may, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Greetings to the presiding bishop of this house, Bishop Sono as well as overseer, we love you, Ma. Uh, greetings to the leadership of this house, the clergy. Greetings to the body of Christ in the wonderful name of our Savior, Jesus. Greetings to those who have joined us uh, and are present right now, as well as those who are online. Be greeted in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Special greeting to the elders who are with me this, this evening, elders from our church, as well as my dear husband, hallelujah. I would be in a lot of trouble if I did not in a very special way greet the young people who are on fire for Jesus, young people whose minds are made up, young people who would rather spend a single day in his court than spend a thousand years elsewhere. 
Young people who are saying I would rather be a doorkeeper. Then be anywhere else with the wicked. Amen. Amen. So the, the, it is such an honor, uh, such an honor to have received this invitation. Amen. And uh, yeah, we, we, we are trusting God tonight. Amen. Amen. The theme of this, of this uh, word explosion is pressing on in challenging times. Now the word challenging, if you describe something as challenging, it means it is something that, requi- that requires great effort. It means it is not something that you will overcome simply by laying around. It is not something that you will overcome um, as you would your normal day-to-day. It is something that requires great effort. It is something that requires determination. It is something demanding It is something stimulating. It is something that is provoking thought and action. In other words, it is something that in a way tests your own ability. Now I'd like us to start with a text that may be familiar to some. And it comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now, the context of 1 Samuel 17 is we know that this is the moment where where David challenges Goliath. But he doesn't just challenge him, he wins. Amen. Amen. Now, we're not going to focus on the challenge. We're going to focus on what David says to the king, King Saul, moments before the challenge occurs. And then we will write our first point for the evening. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 17, if we read from verse 34, it says, while David was talking to Saul, he says to him, your servant has been keeping his father's flock. It says, when a, a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, listen to what he says. He says, I went after it. I struck it down. And I rescued the sheep from where? From its mouth. And then he says, and when it turned to me, because the lion retaliated, when it turned to me, David said, I grabbed it by the hair and I struck it down and I killed it. Now, why is this important? This is important because David tells us in verse 37, that the only reason why he was able to do this which is humanly impossible was because God was with him. So the first thing that you need to write down is I am pressing on because I remember where God has taken me from. Let's go back to these details. He says I struck it down. David was a young man. Can you picture a young man standing next to a lion? He gives us a clear description in explaining to Saul. He gives him a clear description that what I witnessed on that field was God. Now the second thing you need to write down is this. I will press on because I am not alone. You see, something we also tend to miss from what David is saying 
is in other words, David is saying to Saul, when my father Jesse was not there, when my brothers were not there, when there was no one else in that moment of my trouble to save me, to shield me, and to protect me from the lion or the bear, I discovered in my loneliness that I was not lonely after all. I discovered in my loneliness that I was not alone. So, Mzaluane, your declaration tonight is that I'm pressing on, not because I'm not alone, but because I was never, I was, I was never, I was never alone. So if every testimony you start and every story you speak about when you talk about your past starts with banging etwa, starts with I was alone, starts with there was nobody there, then you better change that testimony. Because David says, even you, King Saul, you are not there as my leader. My parents, no one was there. But I discovered I was not alone. Glory to the living God. When I think about David snatching the sheep from the mouth of the lion, the Lord sent me with an encouragement to serve to his servants, to women and men of God, to say to you, it does not matter what is going on right now. The devil knows how many times you snatch that young person, you snatch that woman, you snatch that man from his mouth, he knows. So stand on those victories and know that you are yet to snatch some more out of the mouth of the lion in the name of Jesus. And maybe you are here this evening and you feel like that sheep in the mouth of the lion. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 17, Paul says, at my defense, he was on trial. He says, at my defense, no one stood by me. But, and everyone deserted me. He says in verse 17, but the Lord stood by me. And he strengthened me. So that through me, the message would fully be proclaimed to all and to the Gentiles. And then he says the most incredible thing at the end. He says, so in that moment, I was delivered from the mouth of the lion. So wherever you are, whatever you are facing, you may think the jaws of the lion have closed you in and you have nowhere to go. You may even be bleeding. But I know that the Bible tells us that 2,000 years ago, something happened on that cross of Calvary that freed us from those jaws. And that same power that resurrected Christ from the dead is here tonight. The main text, the main text for, for this conference, one of them comes from Philippians chapter 3, and I'd like us to read it. Philippians chapter 3, from verse 13 to verse 14. 
And then us reading this text and putting it into context, we will find our next point. Paul says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, which means to have taken hold, which means to have attained. He said, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. He says, one of the things, oh, this is me. I'm reading the verse and my notes together. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's good. Amen. So he says, he says, one thing I do is I forget what's behind me. And oftentimes we, we think Paul is talking only about trials. He's talking only about tribulations or some kind of terrible past. But when we read it into context, we discover in the verses before that specific verse 13, when you read from verse 3 onwards, you find that Paul actually says, one of the things that I am closing behind is my confidence in myself, is confidence in the flesh. One of the things that I am closing the door on is confidence in what? In the flesh. What you need to write down is in order for me to press on, I need to let go of what I can and cannot do. Because when you shift from your ability, you move into God's presence. When you shift from your thoughts, you move into God's word. When you shift from your own ambitions, you move into God's purpose. So Paul doesn't just say I'm shifting from my bad, terrible experiences, but he says I'm shifting from a time where I relied only on myself. Forgetting my own righteousness as he explains it. He says if there is anyone who has confidence in the flesh, I'm an ambassador. And then he begins to list the things that according to his upbringing mattered and made you somebody. He says, in, in verse 5 of the same chapter 3, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. He says, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Are you listening? Yes. Paul says, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Everything he is listing in this text is something that mattered in his, in his time. He says, concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the, the church. He says, and concerning righteousness, I was blameless. All of this in accordance to the confidence that he had in what he had learned, in what he looked like, in what he wore, because a Pharisee could be seen from a mile away and was revered. So the point that we are making tonight in this specific aspect is that just because you may have lost your house or your car or your income or your possessions does not mean you have lost your identity. The Bible says that David in, in Psalm chapter 3 was displaced. He was displaced. He was very far from his palace. And he says, I lay down, I sleep, and then I wake up in peace. He says, because the Lord watches over me. So 
if you have lost the place where you used to stay and you have lost your property, David says, sleep. You will wake up because the Lord watches over you. And after David said that and after he was displaced, a few psalms later, he is back in his palace. So your displacement does not define you. The Lord is watching over you. Somebody say, I, am, I have no more confidence in the flesh. There's a story in the Bible in 2 Kings chapter 20. I'm going to summarize it for you. The Bible tells us there's a, there's a certain king, his name is Hezekiah. We know this king. We know him for being told that he was going to die. Now, fast forward into his story, we learn that King Hezekiah was one of those whose confidence was in the flesh. Because in chapter 20, when you read it, the Bible says there was a certain king of Babylon who went to check on him. He sent gifts because he heard he was ill. And I pray that you do not remember the story when the Lord has restored you. Hallelujah. The Bible says that, that visitors came to see Hezekiah because he was so, so ill. But what they didn't know is by the time they came to visit him, he was well. So the message was, is he okay? Check if he's okay. The Bible tells us that when his visitors arrived to check if he was well, do you know what Hezekiah did, Bazalwan? Are you well is the question. We heard you were, you were ill was the question. The Bible says that King Hezekiah, in response to that question, says to the visitors, this is my house. Are you well? He says, these are my possessions. Are you well? These are my oils. Are you well? These are my treasures. This king's definition of being well was material possession. His definition of being well was his house and his, and his riches, was his flock and his oils. And somewhere in between, his confidence in his own flesh, he forgot to say, I was dying and I cried out to the Lord and he heard my cry. And the reason why you see me right now walking with you is because he didn't just hear my cry. He healed me. So in the point of your restoration, do not ever find yourself forgetting. The next point is point number four. And we're almost done. Hallelujah. Because we're going to pray. Hallelujah. And we're going to receive this word. Hallelujah. And our definition of what a, what a challenging time is, we spoke about the Bible, the, the dictionary says it is a time that needs great effort. And Paul says, I press, I press towards, 
I press towards. I press towards. I reach for. What we learn from what Paul is telling the church in Philippi is that it's going to take some effort. Hallelujah. Somebody say it's going to take some effort. Hallelujah. Is there anyone who's ready to make the effort tonight? Hallelujah. Because it's going to take some effort. Sometimes effort means being content. Hallelujah. Being content does not mean you lack ambition. It means you have learned to be very mature in the understanding of seasons and in the understanding that whatever it is that I am facing right now is going to pass. So sometimes effort is going to mean being content. Hallelujah. Because when you are content, it means your eyes are still open to see something to be grateful for. So even in the place where you are standing right now, surely there is something to be grateful for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So some of you may be asking, but, but how do I make the effort if I am tired? How do I make the effort if I am weary? How do I make the effort if I still feel the pain? How do I make the effort if I still feel defeated? Well, the Bible tells us that in John chapter 14, in John chapter 14 verse 26, Jesus says to his disciples, but the helper. He says to them, but the helper whom the Father will send to you. And the Amplified, he says, but the helper who happens to be the comforter, who is also the strengthener, who is also the advocate, who is also the intercessor, who is also the standby, the Holy Spirit that my Father is going to send you will help you. He will teach you and he will remind you of what I told you. So when the circumstance seems like it is clouding what you know, the Holy Spirit will be right there to tell you. So if you, only, if you can only give effort, the Holy Spirit will make sure you give great effort. I love that, that, that the Amplified says he's a standby. Does anybody know what a standby is? A standby is someone who is ready. A standby is someone who is ready to step in in times of emergencies. A standby is somebody who is ready to get into duty when the person who should have done it cannot do it. So the Holy Spirit is not ready when you are. He is ready when you are not ready. He is ready when you are not ready. Somebody shout, come Holy Spirit. Because I'm not ready. Says, but the helper. 
Some of us have come from a place of grief and mourning. Some of your families, you count them in one hand because of the storm that we have come from. But the comforter. The Bible tells us in Psalm 56 verse 8, it says, the psalmist says, the Lord counts your tears. And he puts them in a bottle. The Lord, make the, the Lord keeps track of your sorrows. Come on, he sees it. The next point is that the Holy Spirit will enable me. The Holy Spirit will enable me. If you feel incapable, the Holy Spirit will enable you. If you feel inadequate, the Holy Spirit will enable you. If you feel insignificant, the Holy Spirit will enable you. The Holy Spirit will enable you. The Holy Spirit will enable you. The Bible says in his grief, in his turmoil, David Bazalani, his son, his child was not well. And when I read the story of David, I only picture his agony because of what the Bible describes for us. The Bible says when David's son was ill, and you find this in 2 Samuel chapter 12, from verse 16 to 23. The Bible says that David sought the face of God on behalf of his child. Not just that. Have you ever gone to God on behalf of someone? Just hoping. And the Bible says that even, even in, that, in that moment, he didn't just seek the face of God. The Bible says that he fasted for seven days. For seven days he fasted. Not just that, but the Bible explains his agony. The Bible says that this king lay flat on the ground. He couldn't even sleep on his bed. Come on, can anybody relate? The Bible says he couldn't even sleep on his bed. Everything that was happening to him was just not normal because he was not okay. And he was sleeping flat on the floor. Bible says they came to him and they tried to lift him up, the elders. Because they probably, think, they probably thought, you are a king, you can't be on the floor. But the king was on the floor. And they offered him food and he refused to eat the food. Does anybody understand the moment that, that, that the Bible describes to us right now? And the Bible tells us, that after seven days, the child still died. After seven days, the child died. And they didn't know how to tell him. In fact, the Bible says they said to each other, if we tell him, he might just harm himself. Do you know people who you fear that this one, he's going to harm himself? Anybody that you've ever feared on their behalf and you think, and the Bible says that's how they felt looking at David who was flat on the floor. And they thought to themselves, he's going to harm himself. But then he heard them whispering and he asked, Is, has the child died? And they said to him, yes. 
and by the strength of the Lord upon David. A strength that the Bible doesn't even explain to us. A strength that, that me and you will never understand unless God. Bible says David got up from the ground. And I want to make a declaration tonight that you are going to get up from the ground. The Bible says David took off his clothes. I am declaring that you are going to take off those clothes. You are going to change. You are going to take off the sackcloth because they used to wear sackcloth. They used to even tear their clothes when they were fasting. So you will take off the sackcloth. The Bible says he didn't just get up. He didn't just change. He washed. And he didn't just wash what go be, so he, 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 he oiled his body like someone who was, who was on his way to somewhere. And the Bible says after he did that, he put on his robes and he went to the house of the Lord and he worshipped God. Because the Lord enabled him in his pain to get up, in his sorrow to wash, in his disappointment to change his clothes. The Lord enabled him in his grief to still walk to the house of the Lord. He was in pain, he still went there, he was disappointed, he still went. He still went. And he praised the Lord. And the Bible says when he went home and they offered him something to, to eat, he ate. So you will rise up from your grief and the sorrow. And you will get up and you will look like you have somewhere to go. Because the place that you are going to is the presence of the Lord. Regardless of what has happened. Finally, Paul says in his text, he says, I press towards a mark of the high calling. So when you get up and you press on, you're not just pressing on to nowhere. You're pressing on into alignment to God's will and purpose for your life. You are pressing on to God's purpose for your life. He says, I'm pressing on to something so much bigger. He says, I, I, I reach forward for something that's ahead. So Paul tells us there's something ahead. You may not see it. There's something, there's something ahead of you. There's something, if you can just keep moving, there's just there's something ahead of you. If you can just reach for it, there's something ahead of you. It is not over. There is something ahead of you. And whatever it is, it will give glory to God. It says, I'm pressing forward. I'm pressing on. Hallelujah. To a mark. Hallelujah. Now the Bible says, and as I close, the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus says, and you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and in Samaria till the ends of the earth. Now church, I'd like to invite you to stand up at this moment because there's something that you need to understand about pressing on. As you prepare yourself, as you receive the enablement of the Holy Spirit, this is what you need to understand. That the Word of God says that you will receive power, not just power to sit around, but to witness. Because we cannot afford for you to be sitting down. There are people who need to see that there is Jehovah and He is alive. There are people who need to see that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. There are people who need to be saved. So when you get up, when you get up, it is a testimony and you will witness. Not just in Jerusalem where you are. You will witness in Judea on the other side of the road. You will not just witness in Judea. You will witness in Samaria in the other provinces. You will witness. Your life will be a testimony. Your life will be a testimony. We're going to pray. In the church, we've been doing a series about returning from the exile. And we are saying that we who remain will build. I've got something to tell you this evening. You are here because there's work for you to do. You are still here because there's work for you to do. I'd like to pray with you. Father, in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that we are not alone. And we've never been alone. We've never, ever been alone. And we never, ever will be alone. Thank you for reminding us tonight that we have no confidence in our abilities that we have no confidence in what we can and cannot do. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are going to move. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we will see your glory and you will be glorified. Thank you, Lord, that you are reminding us that it will take some efforts, but you are with us. Thank you, Lord, that you are reminding us that, Lord, we are pressing on to a purpose far greater than anything we have ever heard, anything we could ever see, and anything we could ever think of be glorified be glorified be glorified be glorified be glorified king of kings be glorified in this place be glorified in the lives of your children at home be glorified in the lives of your children wherever they are be glorified let your glory be seen in their lives in jesus name hallelujah Let's give God a big round of praise. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah.